Today's podcast is officially sponsored by My Crew Doses. Yes, your ears do not deceive you officially. Amanita muscaria. That is a mushroom, ladies and gentlemen. And this particular blend helps you sleep, helps you rest. Slept like a log. I think I, I tallied nine, maybe ten hours of straight sleep. Usually I get up. Usually I go up to go pee. Not this time. I didn't check my bed. I might have wet myself, but it doesn't matter. I got nine hours of deep sleep. Vivid dreams as well. So if you guys are interested in this stuff, you have to be 18 or older to use this, by the way. If you're interested in this type of thing, go to MyCrewDoses.com. And at checkout, use promo code THECHAMBER. Get you a little 10% off. We are here to talk about dating today. Getting back out there on the market. Maybe the only people you've been attracting are serial killers or maybe some perverts. And uh, we're going to try to fix that today. With me today is Allison Ewing. And you are a woman. And you are a seasoned psychotherapist and EFT practitioner. I want to thank you for spending some time with us today, Allison. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. What does... uh? does EFT stand for? Is that erotic foot touches or what is that? (laughs) If you Google it, it's an electronic sponge transfer, but that is not what we're talking about today. (laughs) So, so for most people, I usually do talk about it as EFT tapping. I kind of put it all as one word because uh, to delineate that and what it actually stands for is emotional freedom techniques. Hmm. Okay, so not the foot touches. I got my foot fetish going on there. Sorry. Awesome. I think there is a a dating site for that. Um, (laughs) There sure is, and I'm on it. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah, so EFT is actually a combination of stimulating your own acupressure points by tapping on them with some more traditional psychotherapy techniques such as exposure therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy, which is probably the one most people have heard of out there. And with EFT, what you do is when you're processing something like emotionally heavy, emotionally laden stress, things like that, while you're tapping on these particular acupressure points, what the research shows is it sends a calming signal to the fight or flight part of your brain and it turns it off. And so where, where are these parts within your body? Where can you touch? Are you able to go through that? Or yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so you're, there's nine points that you tap on, and it's also on my website at learntodatelikeagoddess.com. You can go. There's a how to tap video for those who are more visual. Um, but basically, the first point that you're going to tap on is on the side of your hand. It's the fleshy side of your hand below the knuckle on your pinky finger. Um, and it's it was sort of called for a long time the karate chop point because it's sort of that point where you would karate chop a piece of wood. That's where you want to oh, yeah. tap. <laughs> you use your fingertips and tap on that point. And just, you know, seven or eight times, not like super hard. You're just kind of tapping. And you will traditionally say something while you're tapping on these points and you're saying something to try to keep yourself focused on what is you want to get rid of. So let's say like a super common one with dating is just feeling frustrated with the dating pool, right? So um, you would tap on that side of the hand. And for this point, you say um, what the problem is with a statement of understanding. So you would say, even though I'm super frustrated with dating, I accept myself anyway. 
that's a very common, you know, phraseology that someone doing tapping would, would start with. And then you move to a point um, at the bridge of your nose and where your eyebrow meets and you tap there. And then for the rest of the points, now you just say the problem. So you would just say, I'm so frustrated with dating. You go to the outside of your eye, you tap just outside, not quite the temple, but just outside your eye, say, I'm frustrated with dating. The next point is under your eye on that bony ridge. Again, frustrated with dating there. And then you move to your um, nose, under your nose where your upper lip and nose meet. You tap there. The next point is in the chin crease below your lip. So you tap there. And again, just repeating, frustrated with dating. The next point is a little trickier to find. It's called the collarbone point, but it's actually under the bone. So you go to the hollow of your neck. You go down an inch and over about two, and there's these little dents there. And so that's where you want to tap for that point. And again, frustrated with dating. The second to last point is under the arm, just a few inches below your armpit on your rib cage. Frustrated with dating. And then you move to the top of your head and you just tap there and you say frustrated with dating. And then you take a big deep breath in and out and you kind of tune back into that level of frustration and you see, has it gone down? And it's probably not wise to do this while you're on the date itself. <laughs> probably not. Although basically with me, I mean, I can't tell you how many people I taught this to on a first date. <laughs> I was dating. That's pretty good. So yeah. how did you, how did you come about this? Like how, how did you learn this? How did I learn it? Um, yeah. Remind me, I have a really funny story about teaching a guy on about it on a date. Oh, um, yeah. I will not let you forget. <laughs> I, I learned it sort of uh, serendipitously in a way, because I basically, as a therapist, I have to get a certain amount of continuing education units every two years. And I just had kind of gotten in the weeds and I was way behind. And so I needed a lot of hours in a short period of time. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do some kind of long certification program type training to get my hours. And I was, though, I will say, already interested in the mind-body connection, and I was seeing the, I, I had been a traditional um, talk therapist for about 20 years, so I was seeing some of the pitfalls, yeah, of that, and how it's, you know, it can be really great for helping people get insight into what their problems are, but you can have all the insight in the world and still not shift your behavior or be able to change your feelings around it, yeah. and so I felt like that was really limiting and I knew mind-body techniques were helping people to really make those changes and really do that shift. And so this one, the one for the sort of Midwest training for EFT, happened to be coming up in the Chicago area. So I was like, great, I'll sign up for it. I signed up for it, and I found out right before the training started that it was actually taking place a mile up the street from my house in this little sub suburb of, of Chicago that I live in, and I couldn't believe it. And so I just kind of thought, wow, this feels sort of meant to be. And then I went to two days of the training and I loved it so much. I stayed for two more days and I just decided I'm getting certified. Like, this is it. This is awesome. Do really you live out. by Arlington Heights? I do. That's where I live. I live in Arlington Heights. I'm literally oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, my backyard is the uh, Arlington horse track. Oh my God, that's so funny. So I live in Glenview and the training you'll appreciate was basically at Lake in Milwaukee or what you would know as Euclid in Milwaukee. That's exactly where the training was for the Hell whole Yeah, and you came on this podcast because we found each other on a dating app because we're in the radius. 
<laughs> That's wild. That would be funny. <laughs> I had no idea you were that close. That's spectacular. I didn't either, because you actually found me on a, a national database, so that is really funny. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you well, – let's, actually, let's not forget. You said the first date you went on, you taught someone about tapping. Or you yeah. Well, it wasn't the first date, but it was a date that I was on. It was a first date. It was a first date that I was on with someone – and he asked me, you know, what I did, and I was telling him. And I will say that before I showed him tapping, he said to me, do you know that guy at the end of the bar down there? And I was like, no, never seen him before. He's like, well, he keeps looking over here, and he's staring at you. You sure you don't know him? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. I don't know him. <laughs> and so, you know, then we get off that subject. We're talking about other things. He asked me what I do, and I said, oh, I do this tapping thing. Actually, do you want me to show you? So I showed him how to do it. And he starts tapping and he goes through all the points and then he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I do feel a little more relaxed. And I was like, yeah, that's what it does. You know, it turns off the fight or flight part of your brain, da, 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 da. And a couple minutes later, he goes, wait, 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 what did you do to me? I said, why? Oh, no. He said, I don't even want to fight that guy anymore. Oh, I feel, yeah. He's like, I feel so different. <laughs> I don't even want to fight yeah. that guy anymore. And then I thought. Wait, you wanted to fight that guy? <laughs> yeah, what the hell? What? Oh my so, god! You know, so that was a one and done date. But I was going to say, yeah, was there a second date? That seems like a red flag. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I want to fight everyone in here. Protect your honor. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> something like that. And yeah, so but also I was like. That's right. This stuff works. Just another example of how. Yeah, yeah you're a hypnotherapist, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, almost. It's actually um, puts you in a very similar brainwave state. So they've hooked people up to EEGs and had them do this tapping thing. And that's what they show that you go into this hypnotic alpha brainwave state, which is part of why it's you're almost like reprogramming your mind around things. So if you, for instance, have a phobia and you tap on the phobia, you, your brain can't be in its fight or flight state and its relaxed state at the same time. It's kind of like an on-off switch in the central nervous system. So when you tap, it turns the switch off. It turns you into that calm state. So when you tap while thinking of something that causes you angst or anxiety or nervousness, eventually that the brain can't hold both things at once. And so it just shuts it off and it collapses the neural pathway that says like let's say spider is scary if that's what you're tapping on it collapses that neural pathway so now you can look at a spider and think of a spider but you're but it's now it's not connecting to the amygdala the fight or flight part of your brain it's connecting to the frontal lobe and so it's no longer scary because our frontal lobe is our logic reason judgment part of our brains that don't feel fear. There's no emotion centers in the frontal lobe. And so if you now are connecting this thought or this experience, let's say if it was like a trauma, a car accident, you tap on it, you can now remember it in your frontal lobe, but you don't have those emotional reactions. You don't have that panicky feeling, that dread or that um, negativity. Is there and a so duration for how long this lasts? I mean, what we have found, it's been around since 19... 90 and what we have found in the research is it doesn't come back once it's collapsed which is pretty remarkable i will say that like with and i've seen that you know i i, I actually when i was being trained i tapped with my then seven-year-old on his fear of the dark 
went away that night, never came back. He's 17 now. So it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Sometimes it takes a while to get at what's really the root of the thing. So for instance, I've tapped with some clients on a trauma like a car accident, something like a one-timer, and that might be one or two sessions, but I've also tapped with people on, you know, extensive childhood trauma, let's say, and that's, you know, multiple sessions because there's multiple aspects or memories embedded in the brain that are associated with that trauma. And so you kind of have to do one at a time to really get at that and to clear it out. Awesome. All right. So when you are doing one of these therapy sessions with a client, is that what you call them, a client? Uh, yes, I do call them client, but I don't call them therapy sessions, actually. <laughs> oh, well, what do you call them? Yeah, because it's a little different. Like therapy, you're usually getting diagnosed and, and you know, there's a real emphasis on mental health. And this is a little bit more, I would say, more in the coaching world. So it's okay. just an EFT session. And yeah, what does that look like? Is that in the same room or is it through Zoom? Yeah, I see all my clients on Zoom, actually. And that was even Perfect. pre-pandemic. So it's awesome. kind of... Yeah, I was I was really set up when that hit. Yeah, you were. Um, so yeah, so I walk you through it visually. So you're tapping on your own acupressure points on the other side of the camera, right? And so I show you all the points and then we talk about what it is you want to work on. And you always will start, well, we break it down in piecemeal because that's for results to be terrific, they need to be specific. That's our EFT little catchphrase. So, so you want to break it down. And like with a, let's say it was a, a traumatic memory, you would go through the memory one step at a time, what happened first, tap on that till that feels better. And then what happened next and so on. And so it's also a little bit different from therapy in how it's practitioner led. So I will get a sense from my clients what it is they're feeling that they want to clear, and then I will lead the phrasing. And so there's an echo back process. So I will say, even though you're frustrated with dating, you know, you accept yourself completely. And then they'll say, yeah, even though I'm frustrated with dating, I accept myself completely. And so then I walk them through it, and then we test. So you always figure out what the emotion is, and you decide on a scale of one to 10 how strong. So one to 10, how frustrated are you? It's an eight. Okay, let's tap. We tap around, we do a deep breath, we check in, how frustrated are you feeling? Is it still an eight? And rarely has it stayed. It's usually always down a little bit. It might just be like a six, but it's down. And ideally you want to get down below a three for whatever emotion. So you'll keep doing rounds until you get down to that low number. And once in a while you tap the first time and it's like gone and people say, what? I don't even feel that anymore. That's so weird. <laughs> I hear that so weird in my sessions a lot because it is kind of weird. It feels strange yeah. to tap on yeah, your probably face. probably like ringing to your ears when you hear that. You're like, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's <it's> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's it's weird. I mean, I teach this to people on airplanes all the time because, you know, turbulence hits, people get nervous. I teach it to the people next to me and they're always just blown away. They're like, I don't, this is so strange. How is this working? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. You know, they sell like little wristbands with like little pressure point pins yeah. in them. Yeah. And yeah, my ex-wife yes, used to wear those all the time on the airplane. I'm like, what in the hell are those? Yeah, just, I know. That's the reason it worked. They, I know. It's acupressure. It is based on the same science, actually, because it's based on Chinese medicine and particular acupressure points. And this is a question I get a lot with EFT is, does it 
Is it just that I'm focused on it or just that I'm, you know, distracting myself by tapping? And no, the research is very clear. It is these particular acupressure points. They've done studies where people have just tapped on random points and they don't get the statistically significant results that they get with actually using these points. And what they've done is taken people's blood and saliva pre and post, and then they've looked at it. And there's a massive drop in cortisol, stress hormone, an average of 24% in people from one um, session of tapping. And there's all sorts of like really cool things they're finding now. They're, the increase in our immune, your immune, immunoglobulins, I always struggle with that word, um, goes way yeah, up amazing. when you tap. Um, certain genes are getting turned off and other genes are getting turned on from tapping. They're finding with epigenetics. And uh, what's the last big one? The, I told you that the brainwave state goes into that alpha brainwave state, which is, that's the relaxed, um, if you meditate, you know, it's that brainwave state. So all of these things put your body into what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is where we can do cell repair and rest. And so I like to tell that to people because even if you're starting out and you're thinking, I don't know what to say. Am I saying the right thing? You know, am I doing it right? It, it's not super crucial because you are just doing your body a world of good by simply tapping on these acupressure points for a few minutes a day. I've heard wonderful things about the Chinese medicine, like wonderful things. And I guess I wanted to ask you, like, has there been tests done on like placebo with this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They have had all the studies actually are done against a control group yeah. um, who is getting another, you know, sort of version, but not the actual version. And it's they're not getting the statistically significant results that the EFT tapping group is. And also they're not getting the change in the actual brainwave patterns and those kind of things. So so it is interesting. Now not to throw the baby out with the bathwater because placebo is an amazing effect in it in and of itself. I agree. And, I agree. Yeah. And I've studied a lot with Joe Dispenza who really went, did a deep dive on the placebo effect itself because it's sort of like, Hey, there's something to that. There is mind over matter. Why do we say it's just the placebo? Well, the placebo is like helping a lot of people get well. And For sure. so, you know, so one of the things I do do with my, with my clients, with the date coaching that I do is I actually, I do a lot of EFT tapping because I think it's amazing. And I do a lot of other sort of mindset things that imitate some of that placebo effect. For instance, if you, if you get in the mindset that you are already in the relationship of your dreams, how would you act? What would you feel? how would you be once you're there? And that's to try to get people out of that looking mindset because, you know, that, that vibration of like looking, looking, looking for a partner is not very sexy, right? It's not very attractive. No, no, no. <laughs> it can be a turn off. <laughs> right? So really getting in the mindset of like, I'm already there. I already have everything I want. You show up energetically very different on a date. Yeah. Than- you can definitely feel that vibration. Totally. From yeah. the first moment that you sit next to somebody, you know, like what this person is, is pushing out towards you. Exactly. Yeah. And for some people, it's really hard to shift that mindset. So that's when we do the tapping, because we'll tap on whatever blocks are getting in the way of getting into that mindset. 
Yeah, wonderful. You should definitely be be careful with the doctors you choose. And this goes back to our placebo because I mean, essentially, like if you if you have a disease and your doctor says you're not going to live past three months, that's almost like a death sentence. Like he just put that in your mind. And now in your mind, you're like, well, I'm going to be dead in three months. Right. You know, Like that's pessimistic. So I'm very careful when I choose someone. I want them to be optimistic. No matter what, you're going to beat this shit. No matter what. So I'm right. very careful who I let into my my little circle. Yeah. Power I, wonder that, I wonder if that's where voodoo came from, like voodoo hexes. Like people just <laughs> spitting stuff at you, like negativity. Yeah, and that's yeah, right? yeah, yeah. The, the one book I read by Joe Dispenza is called You Are the Placebo. It's really, it blows your mind away because it's literally like people – get a knee surgery where their knee just gets cut open. They do nothing to the knee, sew it back up. And the people walk out of there and they can walk again. And they, cause they feel that they got the knee surgery. So they start walking against report, no pain. You know, it's, it's wild. What yeah. That's cool. But I hope I don't get the full bill. <laughs> good point. <laughs> you didn't do anything, damn it. Very good point. <laughs> So let's let's talk about um about dating nowadays. Like we're used to dating in a proximity of where our bodies took us, you know, and now mostly we would date friends or like within the circle, but nowadays yeah. it's opened and I mean if I really wanted to, I can date a stripper named Jojo in the Congo if I pleased, you know, if I really wanted to. And I just feel like that's so much information and it's so overwhelming. Yeah. So like, what are the implications of dating nowadays? Well, it's, it's a very interesting question that you're asking me right now, because I will tell you, I do have a boyfriend who lives in LA. <laughs> hey, at least it's not in the Congo. <laughs> it's not in the Congo, but, but it, that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for sort of online. I just, I didn't meet him online dating per se, but we did grow up in the same hometown and we connected over Facebook. Right. But, um, but yeah, this world is now open for things like that. And it's really different. And I think, you know, I specifically work with midlife women who are dating after divorce. That's who I date coach. And it's like most of them, the last time they were on the dating scene, there was no online dating. To I your know. point, it was just, you know, yeah. who was in your neighborhood or your circle or your work coworkers, that kind of thing. So it is very different. But the main thing that I teach is to try to really work on yourself because then what shows up in your online dating experience will shift. If you show up with a lot of fear or you go into it with a lot of fear and a lot of paranoia and um, just feeling very scared, then you're going to see lots of scary things. And it sounds kind of like magic, but it's not. It's the reticular activating system. Part of our brain is a part of our brain that's responsible for seeing and identifying patterns. Yeah. And sort of straining out all the things we don't need. That's what the human brain is so good at is recognizing these patterns. Exactly. Like if, so, if, if someone goes to a town that is, okay, there's two friends. If someone is starving and the other person is looking for like, let's say, hot girls to date, I guess. I don't know. This is just completely out there. But the, the one person that's hungry is going to notice every single restaurant within that vicinity. 
the other person is going to avoid all the restaurants and not notice that, but he's going to notice how many girls there are in that town. Exactly. Two completely different realities, right? Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what happens. Exactly. So if you start dating and you think, oh, there's no good people out there left, guess what your brain is going to see? Yeah. That's Nobody. what your brain is going to see. You'll literally be swiping and only seeing all the people that you wouldn't want to date. And you might accidentally swipe quickly by somebody who might actually be a good person that would be a good match for you. And so it's really, really interesting. One of the tools that I use with my clients is I say, tune into your energy and your emotional state before you even get online, before you even start swiping. And I say, judge it on red, yellow, green. And red meaning I'm super negative. I'm feeling down in the dumps. I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling like I just desperately want to date for this weekend. So I'm going to get online and just swipe, 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 swipe. Yeah. That's a terrible time to get online because <laughs> <laughs> you're only going to see, you know, people you're like, oh, I never, this, you know, and then you'll see like a hundred people and you won't find one that you want to actually connect with. And so then you feel really like there's nobody out there. So never go on that. So when you're in that red light or that red, yeah, that red light kind of energetic space, it's much better instead to go and do something that brings you joy. And especially if it's something you can do like out and about just to raise that vibe. Yeah. And if you tune in and you're kind of feeling yellow, meaning sort of like sort of neutral, like not super negative, but you know, not super psyched about dating either. And you go on and you start swiping. Unfortunately, what happens is, is you will move down into that red zone very quickly. Oof. And that's because our brains have a negativity bias. We are 10 times more likely to attend to and tune into negative stimuli than positive. And that's why I always say, you know, your boss at work can give you a good review and he'll say 10 awesome things about you, one negative, and you spend the whole rest of the day thinking of the one negative, right? Like so let me get this straight. The reason why that I'm not getting a lot of dates on the dating apps is because of the person swiping, not because of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's on you, people. It's not me, damn it. <laughs> well, you a better headspace. It's because of your brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More accurate. Damn it, I'm collateral like, damage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then if you go on, if you if you tune in and you're feeling sort of in this green space, this like, you know what? Yeah. Like I'm psyched to, to go on and I'm excited about dating and I'm, I'm just looking forward to meeting new people and having new experiences. And you go on in that headspace, you will match with more people. It's amazing. I, it's happened to me. It's happened to so many of my clients. I mean, it is wild that all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this one looks pretty good. Oh, and this one, Oh, we have a lot in common. Oh, Oh. And you'll all of a sudden match with like 10 out of a hundred. Now, Listen, I think this is the other thing that's really problematic about online dating. When you would go into a bar, let's say before the old fashioned way of meeting someone, you yeah. go into a bar, you're like not just there to meet someone. Like you're also there to have fun and hang out with your friends or whatever, be in a bar, right? And so when you walk into a bar, if you happen to run into someone that night that you have a connection with, you're like psyched. You don't go home and go, God, there were a hundred people in that bar and I only connected with one. Good point. Good point. Hell yeah. Listen, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. If you're online and you spend a half an hour swiping and you only 
match with like two people, you feel like, wah, wah. You know? Oh, right. like, no, that's just, yeah. So that's the thing I think is really artificial about the online dating process. I mean, there's a lot of things. Right? There's tons <laughs> of things. Are we becoming like too picky? Do you think? Well, I'm always careful with that terminology because I think that when people are too picky, I, the psychotherapist in me, <laughs> would like to challenge everyone to, <laughs> to just ask yourself, are you actually scared? Is any part of you, your conscious self clearly wants to be in a relationship, you want a boyfriend or girlfriend again, but is your subconscious anywhere kind of scared about that? Are you afraid of getting hurt again? Are you afraid that you'll sort of lose yourself in the relationship? You won't have good boundaries and you'll give up your identity again. Maybe that was a pattern in the past. Are you afraid that uh, you'll find someone and suddenly you won't be accepted by your single friends anymore and you'll lose friendships? I mean, there's a lot of subconscious fears that we can have that will actually cause us to self-sabotage in ways that we are not even aware of. We're such a complex species. It's so crazy. <laughs> Pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes I think pickiness is just a symptom of actual fear of getting into a relationship again. Do you think people put too much emphasis on a single quality? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I do think that. I do think that. I think that people... I also think, to be honest, people put too much emphasis on the looking for those qualities. So it's, if the mindset is like, I'm going to get on there and I'm really going to look, look, look. And you, you know, I have a friend who her thing is she wants to date a CEO. So she's like on there and she's just looking to date a CEO. And it's like, we are very complex people and maybe you'll meet a CEO, but he might have no other qualities that you are looking for in a partner. So really, that's really narrowing her search and her sort of openness to what the universe might bring in for yeah. her that might be a better fit for her. You know, there's that saying, man plans and God laughs, right? So <laughs> it's, it's this idea that if we're too sort of, um, demographic in our search, we might be missing someone who would be a really good values match. And if you end up with someone that is not a good values match with you, that's like a pebble in your shoe. It's going to be annoying in the beginning and it's going to be a boulder 10 years in. So yeah, you don't want right. to do that. You know, that's really important. And so it, sometimes I think when people are really caught up on these you know, sort of more superficial qualities or demographic kinds of qualities, they can really miss the boat on someone who might be a great match for them, even if they don't have those demographic things. What's the expectation of dating a CEO? I'm just curious. <laughs> you know? I think it's, well, you know, I think there's a certain sort of lifestyle that can, in theory, go along with it. Although even that is sort of funny if you think about it, because you could be a CEO of a very small company. I mean, technically, I was not to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> company, my one person company. So, you know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, level title though. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that, you know, it's, and honestly, I mean, my whole philosophy with dating is that just 
stop focusing on all those external things. Even stop focusing on the looking, on the finding, and take all of that effort and focus and energy you're using and turn it on yourself. Clean up your side of the street. The more you do to clean up your subconscious stuff around dating and relationships, your person will just find you. It has happened to so many of my clients. It has happened to me. It is wild. It's it's like at some point you've just done enough of the work yes. that all of a sudden, boom, they show up. And you don't have to change it. My, my thing I always tell my clients is, I will not teach you how to change your dating profile pictures. I will not change, oh, yeah. tell you what to say <laughs> in the chat to a guy. Because it doesn't come from that. It comes from sort of how you show up emotionally and energetically. Are you showing up? from a place of happiness, joy, confidence. Those are things that is going to attract in your partner way more than any line you can think of or have chat GPT, right? I don't know if people are doing that yet, but that would be a thing. Oh, hell yeah. Put in profile, right? Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people are, right? And, and here's the other thing to that is if you don't show up as your most authentic self yeah. in dating, then the person they're falling in love with isn't you. Oof. Jesus, preach. Right? Yeah. And it won't last. There's no way it will last. It might last for three months, but eventually, like, it gets eventually. exhausting putting on a fake face, not being yourself, not being authentic. That's disastrous for both parties. Exactly. Because then it's sort of unfair to them, too, because they fell in love with someone they think you are that you never were. Right? Do you just think that some people are afraid to be alone? Oh, I think most people are afraid to be alone. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's that thing about human beings where you just, you want to be with someone and even if it's toxic or you're not like a good match, it just feels nice to still be with somebody. Absolutely. Like how can you be with somebody if you can't even be with yourself? That's, that's something that goes in my mind all the time. I've been single for, I think going on five years now, Mm -hmm. just because I'm in this point of my life where I'm trying to get my shit together and I really want to be present and I really want to be the best version of myself before I can give myself to somebody. And yeah. I'm still relatively young. I mean, not I'm 35, but I still have time. You know, I, I'm just trying to get this, like develop this, this hard, this core, you know, before I get out there and just can give myself to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very wise. I think it's a huge pitfall that people fall into of settling for something less than what they know is their sort of what would make them really happy because they're afraid of being alone. And so it's that fear of being alone or growing old alone or whatever it is that helps people lie to themselves and make excuses just justification mm-hmm, their partner yeah. their choice well you know i know he doesn't really attend to my needs but you know, <laughs> or I, know he <laughs> I know he doesn't prioritize me but i know you know i hear all these things from my clients a lot where they know and i can tell it's so interesting because part of what i do as an eft practitioner is i really tune into people's body language and voice tone and things to see when they're in what we call an emotional crescendo because that's what you want to tap away And I see my clients lying to me because their body tenses up, their shoulders raise, their voice tone gets higher and tighter. Well, I mean, but he's treated me better than any other guy I've ever been with, right? And it's like, I can 
see it. I can see it. I know they're lying to themselves. But if you kind of say to someone like, hey, you're lying to yourself, they're going to be like very defensive and walk out the door, right? You're, you're that human lie detector. You're that human horse. Can't horses like sense fear? And like when people are doing like some nefarious things, that's yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's, it's definitely a, a procured skill at this point in my life that I can tell. Oh man, your boyfriend's got to watch out then. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> your, nose, your nose is flailing. What the hell are you lying? <laughs> You're lying about something. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fortunately, he's a very honest person who prides himself on that. And that is one of those characteristics that I was really looking for that I, one of the values that I, you know, held very high. And I, and I will admit, I did not have that. My previous relationship, he was not an honest person. And I knew that going into it. And I just thought, I honestly just thought it was going to be a short-term thing that lasted a lot longer than I thought. But I knew that he had a history of being dishonest. And that doesn't mean that everybody with a history of being dishonest should be like thrown to the curb. I'm not saying that, but I knew for me, that was a really important value that that was a bit of a pebble in my shoe, that it did bother me that he had that history. And I, I knew that that would prevent us from really being in a long-term relationship of any kind. So the other thing I do want to say is I love your attitude and I think it's very admirable. And I do think there is room still for dating when you're working on yourself. But you have to do it in this very conscious way where you say to yourself, I am going to approach dating as a way of learning about myself and discerning my, you know, things. What was that? So that's interesting. I feel like you should send me an invoice. That's good. That's a, that's good advice. (laughs) Damn. Yeah, I think it's really helpful because it does a couple of things, right? It takes the pressure away from showing up on the date going, are you the one? Are you the one? You know, that sort of desperate vibe, right? That we've already talked about a little bit. And when you just show up on a date and you think, I wonder what I'm going to learn about myself today. (laughs) It takes the pressure off. It makes it sort of more chill and casual. And then if you have a horrible date, you can still take some inventory. Okay, it was a horrible date, but really liked that wine I tried. I'm going to remember that. Or I really liked that restaurant he took me to. That was a cool place. I want to go back there again. Or whatever it is. Or I found a shortcut to get to the place that we were meeting. You know, whatever it is. But I think it's really important to keep that inventory, first of all, of what did I learn on this date? That helps keep your vibe up. That helps keep you in that green space around dating. Otherwise, you're going to get depressed and frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, you can also do that with the person you go on the date with. So you don't feel bad. Like sometimes if they like, you know, want to go on a second date and you say, no, you might feel bad or something like that. But you can say to yourself, okay, but I taught him this new trick. Like with me, with that one guy, I taught him EFT dynamic. <laughs> so, so I learned something out of this. He learned something out of this. And it was, it's then it's kind of a win-win in my mind. It feels like a win-win with every day yeah. that way. That's what my block was, is just like, I, I don't want to be wasting someone else's time if like mm-hmm. my full expectation of not moving forward, but that's not even fair because I don't know if it's going to move forward. So I'm already putting a block on myself. Exactly. Like, I, don't know, I don't know what the hell the future holds. Why am I saying, why am I talking to myself like that? Right. 
listening. Ther- therapy is cool. <laughs> We're having this therapy session here right now. I'm learning so much about myself. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I do feel like we do our deepest healing in our most intimate relationships. So, because what happens is, is your most intimate relationship, you are most vulnerable. And then when you're most vulnerable, your sort of biggest core wounds or childhood wounds, however you want to look at it, can come up and often do come up or always do come up, I would say, but they come up in that relationship and they come up because they are, you are meant to heal them. You are meant to release them. So, and they'll come up again and again until you do. So if for instance, you're in a relationship and you have the same fight with your partner over and over and over, that's a, that's a thing that you need to pay attention to. That is something begging to be healed. So you have to really look at that. And that's where the EFT tapping can come in because you can tap on whatever that is. And a lot of times it has really nothing to do with your partner, even though you're convinced it does in the beginning. But a lot of times it doesn't. It's just about you. It's just about some issue that you had some insecurity or something that you had that you're either projecting on your partner or you are assuming your partner sees in you that they maybe don't even. And it's your stuff. And once you clean up your stuff, You'll never fight about that again. It'll just go away. It just won't be a thing. What a good resource. Thank you for that. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I wanted to touch on this real quick with you. How do you feel about OnlyFans? Like, do you see that as a problem when like a woman is putting value solely into her looks? Because ultimately, I mean, after a certain point, that value is going to decline tremendously, right? And now it might be very, very hard to find a partner knowing that there is all this explicit exploitation of herself out there. So when you get a little bit older, do you see this as like a giant crossroad? Like how is it going to be on the dating scene for these new, these new kids that are putting images of themselves out there just to make money, like a quick buck, but aren't kind of worried about the like the ramifications that are going to come in the future? Right, right. First of all, I have to say, I love that you assumed I knew what it was, and I do. <laughs> but but You're Jay, I'm finder, like at the beginning of this, of course you know. <laughs> That's true. But I am 50 years old, and I can say a lot of my um, peers do not know what OnlyFans is. But, <laughs> but uh, I am aware. And it's a very complicated question because. Sure. There are, of course, the cultural and societal roots that women are valued for their looks. And that is just something women, girls are just brainwashed from the get-go. You know, you, you see little girls out and people say, oh, she's so pretty. Like, baby, she's so pretty. Like her toddler, yeah. right? And you see little boys like, oh, he's so active. He's so, you know, this, that, the other. Or they ask, you, you ask little boys what sports do you play? And you ask them, yeah. like, what do you do? You know, so it's just, there's all this messaging that is very different from such an early age that women really are taught that our value lies in our looks. And then if you have at all some kind of childhood where you're not getting other messages or not getting enough consistent other messages, you're not getting valued for other aspects of yourself, it becomes really easy to fall in that trap of I'm going to keep getting validation and affirmation for my looks because I'm not getting it for anything else. Yeesh. And then you add getting paid on top of that. Yeah, and it's yeah. like really hard to walk away from that kind of 
intrinsic reward that you're getting. So I think that that is a very tricky thing for a lot of women. I know there was a period of time in my life in way back in the 90s when I was a waitress at a sports bar in Atlanta, a very popular sports bar. And some of the women I worked with had left their stripping jobs. They had left the strip club to come work at this place. And we made good money. I thought we made great money. I was, you know, that was for me, I was like feeling so good about money. I worked at a psych hospital at the same time where I made seven twenty five an hour. So my waitressing job paid the rent, you know. Isn't that crazy how that works? That's so wild to me. Hearing stuff like that. So wild. (laughs) But these girls that had come over from the strip club, they they never stayed. They never lasted. And they would say, look, I was making 40 grand a year. This is in the 90s. So this is a yeah. lot more now, right? Over there, I can't I can't sustain on this, you know, $20,000 I'm making here. So it was it was kind of a trap that once you fall into, I do think it's very hard to get out of. So I will say warning to anyone thinking about going down that road, I think it's very very difficult to move back out of that road. And so that's one. But the second point I will make is that I think so much of finding your true partner, the person who's truly going to love you for you, is about you being okay with you. So let's say you have done something like that, OnlyFans or something, and now you have some shame about it. Or let's say you've had a lot of partners and now you have some shame about it. If you show up in the dating world with that shame, you are going to find and attract in men who will shame you for that who will judge you for that. That is what your particular activating system is going to find those guys. If you clear your own shame and you feel okay about it and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I had a lot of partners because I'm a sexual woman. I have a high sex drive. I I like sex and I don't have any shame about it. I'm good with it. Then you're going to find a guy who will be like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't need to know your body count. I'm good. You know, that is what you will attract in for you because you're okay with it. So it's kind of ironic because I do think that there's all this messaging that women shouldn't be sexual beings and it's not okay and this, that, and the other. So it's really easy, right? Yeah, it's really easy for us to buy into those stories But if you do some tapping on those stories, for instance, or tapping on the shame stories you're telling yourself, and you clear that out, you neutralize. I always say tapping is like pouring water on a fiery emotion. So if you have a lot of shame, you tap on it, you pour that water, you clear it out, then you're just like, whatever. And all of a sudden, I have a client who had this issue, this very issue, and every guy she would start dating would ask her her number and it was like a big thing. And then once she did the work and was just cool with it, you know, it had just really gotten cleared out all that shame. And there was some other childhood, you know, shameful sexual experiences too, that we had to tap on. But once we did all that work, the next guy she dated, she was like, I can't believe it. I'm dating him six months. He's never even asked me. It's never even come up. Yeah. Yeah. They exist. Yeah. Yeah, the key component I'm I'm realizing here is just like, you have to be honest with yourself, like you lived your life, like whatever happened in the past, you cannot change. So you have to figure out a way to be okay with that. Like you have to be okay with it. You cannot change it. Right. And, you know, I I really do think that like, there's, there's someone for everyone out there. Right. I mean, 
when I watched 600 pound life, I mean, they all have boyfriends or girlfriends, every single one of them, someone for everyone out there. Yeah. A lid for every pot. My friend says, (laughs) it's true. It's true. But if you walk around with the belief, I'm never going to find someone, guess what? You're never going to find someone. That's that. Because it's that that placebo. It's that mind power. And also, legitimately, your brain is straining out any possible guys. Here's a great story that I love to tell. That's cool. Um, This one woman had spent many years. She lived in a high-rise building for eight years and spent most of those eight years dating jerks and assholes and guys who wouldn't give her, you know, who just gave her breadcrumbs, as we call it. Breadcrumbs of attention. Yeah. And she did a lot of work on herself. She did do EFT tapping. She did a bunch of other things. She actually was into Reiki and stuff like that too. So she did a lot of work on herself. And one day she gets in the elevator with this handsome guy. And I have seen a picture of him. He is objectively handsome. Okay. You would notice. Most people would notice, right? (laughs) And she gets in the elevator with him and they start talking and he asks her out and they go out and it's great. And they start dating. And about three months into dating, he says to her, you know, for eight years, I've been seeing you in that elevator and you never even looked at me before that day. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So take that in everyone. (laughs) That's great. That's so funny how little, like, yeah, I love hearing stories like that just because everyone is just like, can be their own worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah, you know? and your brain is kind of working against you. Let's be honest. You have this negativity bias that's going to draw you more to the negative scenes. You have this reticular activating system that is going to weed out. I mean, for hers, weeded out this very good-looking guy because yeah. she was she her her story was my dad was emotionally unavailable, so her brain told her emotional unavailability is love. That's what she, that's how she was programmed from an early age. And we all get programming from our early age. And so every time she would see or meet an emotionally unavailable guy, she would feel ooey gooey for them because her brain said, that's what love is, is emotional unavailability. And until she was able to deconstruct all that programming and clear it out, she wasn't able to see an emotionally available guy who was literally in front of her. You know, her brain just didn't tune into him. Her brain was like, no, that's not until, until it could. Do you notice a trend amongst girls with, um, or women, anyone really with daddy issues? Is there a trend? Do you get a lot of those people? Yeah. I mean, I would say that in general, all my clients, (laughs) you know, their core childhood wounding goes back to at least one of the two parents. Right. So, you know, and a lot of times the dads are sort of more absent in the home because they're maybe working longer hours or things like that. I shouldn't say a lot of times because I know like tons of amazing dads, but that does tend to happen when if, you know, there's a, I I think two things, right? Men are sort of not allowed to be as emotional. You know, they're talk about women are very, uh, I said, culture, culturally influenced to value their looks. I think men are very culturally influenced not to have feelings, to lock it down, to shut it down. Right. I mean, again, from an early age, you know, don't cry. You know, that kind of thing. So I think men, so a lot of times dads might be less emotionally available because they were taught not to be emotional. And so then that can be obviously a a toxic situation if it's really extreme. And then 
definitely. Then I think what happens is women, not only does their brain see that as love, but also they have a subconscious drive to be validated by those men. So, and I think this happens, I think this actually really happens both ways. So if you are a man or a woman and you are chasing someone who doesn't really want you or isn't, or is kind of just giving you those breadcrumbs, maybe they'll text you back every couple of days or something like that, but they're not really, they're not really connecting with you. They're not really making plans. They're not really in it. You know, you feel that they're not in it, but what happens is, is it triggers that core childhood wound of I'm not good enough. And so then your subconscious says, actually, we're going to prove that we're good enough. We're going to get that. Oh, shit. I see. Okay. This never made sense to me before until you just said that. That just made it click. Awesome. Wow. Yep. That's what happens. So then you, you drive and you drive and you drive trying to pull that love and attention from that person because your ego is really invested in getting it at that point. Yeah. That ego is a son of a bitch. Right. And then you drive it and then you drive them away. And if you can see, this is where the self work is really important because if you can stop and self soothe (laughs) and not be in that sort of needy clingy, I've got to get them. I've got to get them to like me mode. You can soothe your own self. Then a lot of times, energetically, that person's going to sense that and suddenly they'll call. I mean, I've seen this happen a million times. I had a client just recently who was saying to me, well, you know, I went on two dates with this guy and, you know, it seemed like it went great and I really like him and I'm going to be kind of near him tonight. Maybe I should just call. And and I I said, well, I'm not going to give you advice. What we're going to do is we're going to tap on it. And then we're going to check in with your own internal wisdom about it. And so we did. And so we tapped on her urge to call. And as soon as we did that, at the end, she was like, no, I'm not going to call. I mean, he hasn't called me. He hasn't asked me out a third time. I'm just going to let it lie for a few days and see. I was like, oh, (laughs) right. So her internal wisdom got there once she cleared out that emotional intensity of urge, which a lot of times is just an anxiety. It's just a fear. Like I'm afraid he's going to leave me. So I've got to chase, chase, chase. And once you clear the fear and then also too, you know, she even got in touch with, and, and besides there's other guys that I'm seeing right now. So maybe he's not the one for me. And so once you can get to that place too, then you're the chooser. You're not trying, just putting all your efforts into trying to be chosen, That's but you're, right. Right. And you're, and to a, a large extent, I feel like with dating, you just have to have some faith. There's that saying, what is meant for you will never miss you. Whoa. And it's very hard to have faith in that. But if you can get there, and I recommend using some tapping when you're feeling anxious, like that'll never happen. But if you can really get there, that's when peace comes into your life. And once peace comes into your life, chances are that's when your person's going to come into your life. Yeah, I'd like to recommend, and I'm not a psychotherapist or any kind of therapist at all. I just uh, I deal with the podcast, but I like to, to recommend that, like, you have to you have to put yourself out there. You have to go outside and experience because that's when things will tend to happen. Nothing is going to happen if you do nothing inside your house. Why would something happen? You know, it's yeah. so simple. But seriously, like, you have to put yourself out there. Get uncomfortable a little bit. Like, for yeah. all we know, you have one life. Just 
who cares? Yeah, exactly. That's true. And so my book, you know, is called Find Love Again, Learn to Date Like a Goddess. And the date like a goddess part is all about building up your your energy, your enjoyment, your enthusiasm for life and and your confidence as a result, which then makes you very attractive. And so one of the yeah. tools I say is create, I call it a goddess bucket list, but you can create a God bucket list for no, out there. Goddess, it's <laughs> and so it's just this idea of all the things I always say, put on the list, all the things you've ever wanted to do in life, especially, I think it's especially a great tool post breakup or post divorce, because chances are you were not doing some things because your partner didn't want to, right? So chances are you were kind of dimming yourself or containing yourself in, you know, trying in deference to your partner, but also now you have a new shot at life. You have freedom. Again, you can do whatever you can live your dreams and you can really pursue your dreams. And so what better time than now to make a list? And I always like to say, put little things on there that are easy to do. And then some big audacious things that you've always dreamed. So you can put on there, I want to go paddleboarding and you can put on there. I want to go biking through the hills of the South of France. I mean, you can, so you put, you intentionally want to sort of pepper the little ones in with the big ones, and then you want to start doing them. And so what happens is when you start doing the little ones and checking them off your list, your brain starts to see it's possible. And then your brain starts to think in terms of, all subconsciously, of course, but subconsciously starts to churn on the, on the bigger ideas. And so then when, someone next to you is talking about a biking tour they just took in France, your reticular activating system suddenly hears them. Boom, you might yeah, not know, yeah. And you say, really? Where, what was that tour group? Can you give me that information? Right. Yeah. And so you start to actually live all of your big dreams and who knows, maybe you're going to meet your person when you're paddleboarding. Maybe you're going to meet your person biking the South of France. But when you start to get out there and do these things, you are emanating yeah. joy, happiness, confidence, you know, you're just living your best life, and that is very attractive. That's awesome. Yeah. You're a brilliant mind. You know that? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for being here. That's awesome. Dang. I got one last question for you. Yeah. Um, Do you think sex on a first date is just set up to be disastrous, or how do you feel about that? <laughs> oh, one last question. It's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I actually think it just depends on how you feel about it. If you feel, if you are doing it just to please the guy or get the guy or please the woman or get, I think it's more, a little bit more the other way, but sometimes it can happen that, that way too. If you are just doing it to make the other person happy, it's a bad idea. Period. The end. Yeah. It's a bad idea because you're not in alignment with it. And so you will have shame about it or guilt or whatever. And then when you have those complicated emotions, that's unattractive to another person. And so then you might get ghosted because they're picking up on the fact that you just did it for them and you have shame about it. And that's a turnoff to most people. Yeah. Now, if you go on a first date and it's amazing and you're like clicking on all cylinders with each other and you feel that, you feel that vibe, you feel that connection really early on, 
you know it. And if you are feeling that and you're really not lying to yourself and you've done enough work to know when you're lying to yourself and when you're not. And, and by the way, tune into your own body. Just like I, I have my human lie detector by watching other people's bodies, tune into your Hell body. Yeah. Human How are you right? Yeah. <laughs> but like, are you on the date leaning forward and, and wringing your hands? Then, then you're anxious. Yeah. But if you're on the date and you're leaning back and you are relaxed in your body and you are so chill and you are just like on fire with this person and it's like this and that and the other and we are getting along and we have so much in common and oh my God, this is an amazing person. And then you end up going back to one of your places and have sex. It's probably fine. Like it's probably great actually. <laughs> because, well, yeah. You know, so it's so much of it is just what's so much more important is just really being in touch with yourself and what's going on with you than any of these sort of pat answers out there, like the rules and that kind of thing. It's not, a, I mean, they have a certain amount of wisdom because I think the rules tell you don't call for three days or whatever. Well, if, if you're rule. not calling, I, like, rule book. I know, this is like old school, so you might not know this, but this is like a thing that was popular in the, I want to say maybe 90s or something, but it was this, this, edict to people with dating that was like, don't call after three days and whatever. Well, I would say three days, shmi days, it doesn't matter how many days, but don't call when you're feeling anxious. Don't call when you're feeling clingy. Don't call when you're feeling insecure. Clear up that for yourself first, and yeah. then tune into your internal wisdom to your gut. And should you call or shouldn't you call? I mean, if you clear that stuff and then you feel okay about it, then go for it. Then it's fine. Three days nowadays, or yeah, three days is like, especially in the TikTok era, that's like six lifetimes. You're like right. Attention span three days. Like I'll, I'll, I'll date 45 people before then. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm showing my age with that one, Jay. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're awesome. Allison, thank you so much for being here. Um, Go ahead and shell out your book and the website, how people can, can contact you if they wish to do so. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So anyone can follow me at Allison Jane, Jane with a Y, Goddess Maker. So that's where I am on TikTok and Instagram and all that good stuff. And my book is called Find Love Again, Learn to Date Like a Goddess. And I do have a special offer for your listeners Yes. You can go to my website at learntodatelikeagoddess.com and download a free e-copy of the book if they're interested in checking that out. And I offer eight-week online courses that are real immersive in the principles from the book. We do tapping. We do a lot of manifestation techniques. I use neuro-linguistic programming and other cool, funky stuff to really brainwash you into that, like I was saying, that mm -hmm. mindset of, I'm already there. I already have it. And to really get you into the mindset of confidence. And I can tell you, I've had many clients who have started the program. They were chatting with no one online and a few weeks in getting frustrated and another week goes by and all of a sudden they have five, six, 10 people. Oh, hell <laughs> yeah. It's very, very cool. So there is a point through the program where it seems like everyone gets to where all of a sudden they are vibing at a higher vibe and they're attracting in more people. So that's that's just kind of a cool, fun thing. But I want everybody out there to get my book, to try it. There's tapping scripts in the book. So do the tapping. Don't just read the book because you won't get as much change if you don't do the tapping. And, and then, yeah, if you're interested in coaching with me, of course, I'd love to talk to anyone who wants to do that.
Awesome. Allison Ewing, thanks again for being here. That was awesome. Great conversation. Everyone at home, thanks for listening. Keep it in your pants on the first date or don't. I don't know. Uh, contact Allison. She'll guide you. Everyone, <laughs> peace.